I'm ready when you are. I too am ready. Perfect. You say you want to wear those headphones instead? Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Fat Pod. Also known as a fiercely altered perspective. Correct. I am Ember. I'm Quinn. And what's going on? What's crack lacking? We are in the middle of Snowtown right now. We are. Well, I mean, we're not really in the middle of Snowtown. We're sitting in our fucking computer room, but... Right. Mentally, story-wise, <laughs> we're in the middle of Snowtown. Yes, yes, yes. We're back on track. Right. Things are going great. Right. Uh, Let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything we want to stay, stay before we jump right into it. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, I would like to say thank you for all that understood what we had to go through last week. Uh, Last week was a bit of a rush, a little bit of a panic. Um, Yeah, last week was a little scary at times. Yeah, yeah. We had a little one get real sick on us real quick. And uh, make a long story short, that's part of the reason why it came out a little late on Friday. But, uh, Mm -hmm. well, we're ahead of the game this week, so here we go. Yeah, and he's, for anybody that still is wondering, our youngest is completely back to normal. I've been getting so many. Right messages yep he's golden now he went from triple throwdown sick on tuesday to perfectly fine on friday Mm-hmm. yep it was it was pretty scary yeah thanks to modern medicine thank goodness we didn't live back in the old days i'm grateful for my first world problems right because if not last week could have ended very very badly right but since it didn't we don't have to talk about it we can move on to <laughs> other sadness that we're gonna talk about today (laughs) (laughs) right oh shit oh no fix your shit sir sorry i tugged on my cord and couldn't hear (laughs) (laughs) didn't your mom always say if you tug it hard enough you'll go deaf or was it blind blind well she was wrong it's stiff (laughs) uh have you seen me wearing my glasses well i know but (laughs) i also know you don't hear so well out of that one ear i wonder why it wasn't me Okay. Okay. Yeah. We'll just say this. If you sneak up on my left hand side, I don't hear so good on my left side anymore. Yeah, but that prairie dog had to go. So (laughs) sorry, not sorry. (laughs) Anyways, so where did we leave off last week? Well, we were talking about Robert and John and Mark and James and a few other people and they got arrested and how James had said that there was uh, two more. Two more. At Waterloo, and yeah. they dug up those remains, yeah. right? And we had the one skeleton and the one woman that was dismembered, mm-hmm. and in a bunch of different bags, right? So many bags, right? Uh, we also learned about you know John's growing up, and mm-hmm. well, pretty much everybody's, yeah, all of all of their childhoods a little bit, mm-hmm. and we kind of got to see how Barry Lane groomed and took Robert, yeah, right? But you know John Bunting hated Barry Lane for that, but in the same breath, he was kind of doing the same thing to James in a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, grooming, manipulating, you will do what I say, you will stay with me, I rule. Right. You know. So, let's see, we, we also barely started going into some of the investigation that was going on, where James actually came in with his lawyer and said, alright, if you give me immunity, I will tell you everything. Right. And then we find out, just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) So there was that. But 
oh, we had also found out that the body in lower light was, in fact, in Clinton. Right. And so today we're going to be going over the rest of everybody. And that Clinton Trezzy was John's very first kill. That's right. That's right. The one that started it. So mm-hmm. he started in 1992. Right. And they were arrested in 99. Mm-hmm. All right. So you want to start us off today? Well, sure. All right. So we're still going over the investigation and, and the who's and, and stuff like that. So just trying to help get you guys' mind frames in the right mind frame. Unless right. you've been binge listening and then, hey, welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> also, uh, this first little bit might be a little bit confusing. But once we get through this little bit, it will explain it at the end as to why. Okay. Right. And hey, if it makes all you guys feel any better, I'm just as lost. If it makes anybody feel any better, <laughs> I still think I'm lost. <laughs> so many things. Right. So the second victim uh, James told the investigators about was Ray Davies. In late 1993, Ray Davies and a woman named Suzanne Allen, our other missing person. Right, the one that we knew about all the way from number one. Right. Uh, they'd broken up because despite loving Suzanne, he still liked to sleep with men, including Barry Lane. Right, so they were together. It wasn't really working. Right. And Ray was still going and hanging out with Barry. Mm-hmm. Barry's not so much of a good guy. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, so they split sheets, but they didn't split yards. <laughs> She, right. <laughs> she, right. she let Ray Davies stay in a camp trailer in the backyard of her home. Uh, by the end of 95, Suzanne was sleeping with the one and only John Bunting. Mm-hmm. And while John was, or yeah, while John was still with Elizabeth. Right. So and he was a slut. A little bit because he was sleeping with Elizabeth uh-huh. when he was still married to Veronica. Uh-huh. And Veronica and John divorced in like 94 and already by 95, yeah. John is sleeping with another woman. Uh-huh. How did this guy have so much game? Have mm. you seen that Oompa Loompa? How? <laughs> Explain. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to be a silver tongue son of a bitch. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. Right. So, right. oh. No, go ahead. I was saying, all right, get back to the, all I was right. going off into how that was even possible land, but we get back to the story. <laughs> okay. So John asked Barry who Ray was, and Barry said that Ray was a homo and a pedo mm-hmm. and that he liked to uh quote fuck dogs and jerk off in the bushes when kids came home from school and would sometimes flash them as well right so you have these are kind of the things that i had an issue with is because why is john taking the word of barry so seriously of course barry's gonna say yeah this person's like this or yeah this person's like that right because barry also knows how much john hates those kind of people and barry is one of those people so of course he's gonna be like nope that one over there look over there don't look at me look over there and john being the dumbass he was was just like oh yeah totally totally believe it well and, and i'm i'm looking at it through a different set of eyes and i by no means am i defending john by oh, this no. but john was also utilizing his resources oh yeah well and i and i also think that john really didn't care he was just using any excuse as to fuck with some people mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so of course he's gonna take the word of barry he doesn't really care somebody's just telling him something that he wants to hear so he can justify taking action right right well so with what john 
John learned from Barry, John hated Mr. Davies mm-hmm. and added him to the Wall of Spiders. The day after Christmas of 95, Suzanne snaps and demands that Ray leaves because he had molested two young boys and, uh, who were staying at her house. Distraught, she told John about what had happened. The mm-hmm. next thing anybody knew was that John and Robert said that they took him for a drive, beat him up, and dropped him off on the side of the road. They doubted he would be back because he was uh, a bit too afraid to return. Right, and they came back and they were almost joking about it. Right. Like telling her, oh, we took care of it. We took him out. We beat him up, left him on the side of the road. He's never going to come back. He's way too afraid of us. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's when James tells the investigators that they had murdered him and put him in what was supposed to be a secret underground room in the backyard of 203 Waterloo. The skeleton found at the very bottom was Ray Davies. And the kicker was that his mother, Elizabeth, helped them kill Ray, but... More on that later. <laughs> we'll get to it later today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, after the murder of Ray, the affair with John and Suzanne continued for just a short amount of time afterwards, but it kind of started to fizzle out, especially after Elizabeth, her kids, and John move over to Murray Bridge. But John still kept his house at 203 Waterloo for quote-unquote visits, which were to one, check on the body that's in the backyard, mm-hmm. and two, go ahead and get himself a little slice of Suzanne. Now, the problem is that it didn't last too much longer after that, and John finally tries to break it off because she became a little bit needy. Okay. You know, she was writing love notes, making her daughter go and <clears throat> send it over. Yeah. L- love. Gross. <clears throat> and she always, she wanted to spend more and more time with John. Right. But John was kind of like, I don't like you. I don't, nah, nah. Right. Nah. And the other problem is that Suzanne knew too much. Mm-hmm. She knew too much about John. She knew too much about Robert. She knew too much about how they thought, all those kind of things. So that would just confirm to investigators from James who victim number three was, mm-hmm. which would be Suzanne Allen. Right. So James tells investigators how he was actually the first to be told about Suzanne after it happened. John told James first. All right. But he, instead of saying, you know, we killed this woman, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. John told James that he went to go and visit her. And when no one answered, he went in. But if you remember from last week, Elizabeth told police that John had told Elizabeth how he went to go and steal from and there. Rob. Yep. And so he's already telling two people within the same home different, two stories. different stories. And both of these people already know about him and his killing. So yep. why would he need to lie? Right. Make, just doesn't make any sense. Psychopath. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, John had to shove the door open because she was against the bathroom door. She had died from natural causes. But James tells investigators, I think that she was murdered. Right. I don't believe that. I don't believe this story. Uh, they said that apparently John and Robert decided to dismember her and then take all of her stuff. They bagged up her body and tossed her in the backyard at 203 Waterloo and then they filled it in. So the woman in all the bags is Suzanne Allen. She was the one that was dismembered. She was the one whose genitals have never been found. Where did those go? Probably Ah. turned into a sock puppet somewhere. (laughs) No, sir. (laughs) 
that's the thing though probably like what why would he take her her genitals out of everybody else maybe because she was the only one he had a sexual relationship with mm. i don't know uh, people are weird because he's a creeper i got a very ed Geeny vibe when i was reading that right <laughs> is it in a box somewhere is it painted silver does it have a bow <laughs> i don't fucking know <laughs> <laughs> um oh, goodness. Anyways, after they bagged up her body, tossed it in the backyard with Ray Davies and filled it over, then they had to start lying to everybody about where she went. Mm-hmm. So the first person that John told about Suzanne's disappearance was one of her friends called Carol Parker, or her name was Carol Parker. He had said to her that Suzanne owed some money and they beat her up pretty good, so she was in hiding. Okay. And if I remember right, some of the people that she owed money to had some Something to do with Ray. Huh. And by that point, all of Suzanne's friends knew how much she didn't like Ray from the incident that happened in or over Christmas. Right. So it was very believable. Sure. And then another story that was told was that she moved to a place called Gawler. Okay. Is that how you say that? Sure. And she just ran off and married some 20-year-old dude named Andy. And then from there, there was the other lie, the original lie that we knew about from episode one, mm-hmm. when John had told police there's a family feud she doesn't want anything to do with them right just try to give her her space and then her brother lost contact with missing persons and so missing persons was like oh well john's probably right yep he doesn't care we don't care Mm-hmm. so just with this one person though that's five different stories three different stories on what happened to her afterwards two different stories to two different people on what happened when they quote unquote found her dead right i just don't believe anything that falls out of this man's mouth no nope. it's all diarrhea <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I guess later on, Suzanne's family tried to get in contact with the like government funding place, the place where she was getting pensions, mm-hmm. and they never returned her phone calls or their phone calls. So they just kind of gave up. Not really gave up, but I mean, what else are you going to do? Right. So everybody always believed John. He was very much a silver tongue. Is that what you called him? Yep. This dick. All right. <laughs> By 97, Robert Wagner says he is no longer gay and refused to even speak about the relationship he'd had with Barry Lane. Which is just weird. Mm-hmm. He even had a fiance, Sally Brown. She had three kids, and later in 97, Sally and Robert had a son together. Robert also joined the local school council and was a volunteer firefighter, uh, just trying to I mean, he's, actually seem like an outstanding citizen. Right. He's that guy. Family man now. Right. City council, firefighter. I mean, he was a little odd. Was it city council or school council school council a little bit of a difference there hey hey I knew what I was saying. One argues about lunch, one argues about road maintenance. Just saying. <laughs> lunch one's obviously more important. <laughs> Nobody fixes the roads anyways. <laughs> but everybody got to eat. <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, he was weird and he oh. was kind of, I mean, a douchebag. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And like you just said, he is a little bit weird and people kind of got real uh, tired of him talking about his hate for poofters, blacks, Asians. Yeah. Pretty much anybody that he was, wasn't a uh, <coughs> straight white male. Right. Bitch, you weren't a straight white male. What are you doing? Right. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is like he hated himself so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. So Sally. Mm-hmm. Robert's fiance had a very, very, very dear friend that his name was Michael Gardner. Mm-hmm. Um, happened to be gay. Yep, 
happened to be gay. Mm-hmm. Great kid. And he'd come over all the time and he'd babysit the kids. And, and that way they could go and Robert and Sally could go and do whatever they'd like. Right. You know, which, I mean, Everybody cool. loves a babysitter night. Right. Well, the new Robert didn't like Michael. And when he saw Michael playing with one of the other kids and covered the mouth of the oldest, uh, they were playing hide and seek. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the oldest went to start to talk and Michael's like, oh, no, oh, shh, shh, shh. and right. covered his mouth, you know, right. playing, Which, having fun. Yeah. That innocence. Complete, complete and total innocence. Mm-hmm. Well, Roboito. <laughs> Roboito. <laughs> This bitch. <laughs> <laughs> he snapped. He did. He had a full blown come apart. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert was, or when Robert was being abused by Barry, Barry used to cover his mouth to keep him quiet. Right. Well, I can see. I can see that trigger point. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I can see where that would get him to snap. And especially if you haven't dealt with those monsters in your past before and then you see that happen, you're mm-hmm. kind of like, wait a minute. Right. You right. know. Right. So uh, Robert has this meltdown and excuse me is flipping out because michael covers the oldest boy's mouth or oldest kid's mouth excuse Mm -hmm. me so now naturally he hates this kid right so now michael's on the list it's game over robert is having this meltdown and now in his eyes he looks at things the same way as uh john does Mm -hmm. that if you're gay you're a pedophile right now wait a minute we all robert bullshit you were gay Mm -hmm. were you a pedophile is he a pedophile um what you doing on the school council right just saying if i'm going to apply your stupid logic i'm going to apply it to you yeah those who live in glass houses should not throw stones Mm -hmm. you stare at the monster long enough it'll start staring back (laughs) right so yeah he he was sick and tired of it he had a gutful of it and started planning his quote-unquote revenge right so now michael probably earned himself a nice little spot on the wall of spiders Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all for being just michael and yeah yeah so michael how sally got to know michael is because michael was living with sounds sally's cousin uh nicole zaretta okay uh they were roommates and one day she had to go to she had to go in an interstate for work and she was going to be gone for 10 days mm-hmm. so she asked michael to take care of the house sure. naturally duh of course he says no problem and that was in late 1997 unfortunately when she leaves that's also the last time anybody ever saw from michael right and so james is telling the investigators how nicole returned to an empty house no michael there was a recording though um saying hey this is michael don't call the cops sorry i had to go sorry i took your shit basically right which was completely out of character right for michael so nicole was not buying this bullshit sure furthermore when she started looking around the house she found his wallet under the bed okay so why would he leave take all of her shit but leave his wallet but leave his wallet mm-hmm. 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 so um she had also found out that apparently he had called other people as well saying that he was leaving and when she was talking over at Sally's house one day John and Robert were there and Michael gets brought up and John and Robert were immediately like oh yeah dude I just saw him at the service station not too long ago right so worried (laughs) Nicole actually went down to the service station to try to see if you know talk to somebody hey have you seen him right do you have any video anything and they were like bitch we're not gonna help you right (laughs) so that was kind of the end of that but James said no while he is just missing and everybody just assumed that he left he really didn't uh John told me how him and Robert killed him and shoved him into a barrel he's in one of your barrels you can go check uh oh 
Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. 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 James also lets us or lets them know that Thomas Trevelin never committed suicide. Right. Hmm. Lies. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So he was also murdered for the same reasons that his family members had thought. You see, he was sleeping with Barry, and Barry's days were numbered. Yeah, by this point, Barry was wearing out his welcome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Since they felt Thomas was just another victim of Barry, John and Robert befri- befriended him. Robert tells Thomas how uh, he was a victim of Barry and he couldn't allow to continue to see this abuse. They roped Thomas into killing Barry. However, after they murdered Barry, they couldn't trust Thomas and... Uh, no, they were like, no, we, we can't trust this kid. Right. Well, sadly, in in the, the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. come to find out, Thomas was mentally ill. Yeah, that's what they said. They're like, this guy's mental. Like, we can't trust him. Right. He serves no purpose. Right. Uh, he, once upon a time, had chased Sally's daughter around with a knife, threatening to kill her puppy. So they staged a suicide and figured that if they left his money in his pockets, the police would just think it's a suicide and, well... They were right. Good police work there, officer. Because mm-hmm. they bought it and said, oh, no, this is a suicide. Right. So, I mean, I guess good job to John and Bunting for being being able to make that connection right and go through all those links to to stage a suicide and get away with it sure it's just crazy sure so we know that barry's welcome was gone right and they purposely befriended thomas they knew thomas was schizophrenic Mm -hmm. they knew that he wasn't all there and they used that to get him on their side you know sitting him down telling him dude this guy's really bad they played into his fantasy with military all sorts of shit like it is up to us to protect everybody else from Barry we need you to help us we can't do this without you and so Thomas was like "All right, cool so on October 17th 1997 is when the three men ambushed him and they also decided because they had learned from Suzanne on how to steal money Mm -hmm. and they're going to do the same with Barry but let's go ahead and extract that information first so we don't have to pretend to be somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's where in the torture part, uh, which we will find out more about, they start adding in all of all of this. You're going to force us to give, or we're going to force you to give us your social security number, your bank information, all of that. Right. And that's also when Barry had called Joanna, who was the one that actually reported Barry missing later mm-hmm. when he never returned. Barry called Joanna the night he was murdered. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of, uh, and James was explaining to investigators, they were always like a step ahead. They did this on purpose. They covered this shit up before they even murdered right. Barry. So then this never became a case for you guys to really look at fully. Yep. And so just ugh, being hearing that come out of their mouth would just make me want to be like right oh yeah you're gonna fall into my fist numerous times (laughs) asshole (laughs) (laughs) yep so the next victim is james's friend gavin porter uh they had met at a methadone clinic john Mm -hmm. didn't like druggies at all but still allowed uh gavin to live with them um well sometime after april 3rd and sorry for that smack it's okay 
sometime after April 3rd in 1998. Uh, was the last time people saw him. Yeah, and that was after he had gone to the methadone clinic for treatment, mm-hmm. and then he just ghosted. Nothing ever since. Mm-hmm. Uh, James came home to being led out to the garage where his friend was dead and under some couch cushions and some sheets. James feared that he might be next. Oh, yeah. In his eyes mm-hmm. and in John's eyes, mm-hmm. he's a waste because he's a junkie. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think John did this this murder on purpose. Mm-hmm. Very much on purpose, which oh, we'll prove, get into later. To but. prove a point. Mm-hmm. Yep. A few days later, John comes home with the barrel and James had to help put Gavin into this brand new fresh clean barrel. Mm-hmm. There was another barrel in the garage that had Barry and Michael in it. Yeah. So if you if you think about that, those murders happened October of 97. Mm-hmm. This is April of 98. Mm-hmm. You've had a barrel out there and in South Australia during the summer. During their summertime. <sighs> How? How did that not get? Nobody, everybody's going to ignore that smell? Okay. Right, right. What was he telling everybody else in the house? What was he telling the kids? The other kids? The younger yeah. ones besides James? Right. Like, because we all know, well, you guys will all know later that Elizabeth knew all about the murders. Mm-hmm. You know, she obviously helped in one of them before. Quit spilling the beans. Oh, I said that before, though. <laughs> we said, I know, I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, just gross. Yeah. So James breaks down and says that after the murder of his friend that John had told him, he would have to help kill now too. Uh, furthermore, it was up to James to collect Gavin's money and tell his friends that he had moved back to Victoria. Right. So actually, if anybody hasn't watched the movie yet, you totally can. It's still not going to give too much away. Oh, no, because we've watched the movie and did the research Yeah. and watched the movie and still was standing there going... Wait, is that this guy? Yeah. Okay. Is that, or Who's, is it wait, this guy? Wait. So, the, but <laughs> I, I, is this? But and then. But, yeah, because they oh, don't tell everybody. Hell, I have no idea what the fuck's going on. Yeah, they don't tell anybody's <clears throat> name, and the movie Snowtown is basically being told by James. Mm-hmm. James' accounts of these things, and when it came to this particular story about his friend Gavin being murdered, John had had James take the two younger siblings out, and they went to that drive-in movie and when they came back that's when his friend was dead right and john you know john did that on purpose mm-hmm. this was the final stage of that grooming of now i've groomed you i have you you see your dead friend here your little druggy friend that you've been getting high with right see what happened to him now from now on you're gonna do what i say yep. you're going to help me and by the way you clean up my mess yep. so now you make up the lies you figure out how to get his information so we can collect his money mm-hmm. and you tell all of his friends that he moved back to victoria yeah Yep. Get it done. And you know that that was probably a very fucking terrifying conversation to have. Oh, guarantee you it As was. you're staring at a dead body of your best friend. Right. What a dick. What a dick. Well, let's make it even worse. Okay. So the first murder that James had to be a part of mm-hmm. was that of his older brother. Troy. Troy. Mm-hmm. So back, if you remember, I think we talked about it last week when James was younger and and he grew up being raped by his dad. Mm-hmm. And then also by the neighbor, Jeffrey. Uh-huh. But also by his older brother, Troy. Uh-huh. Because Troy was also a victim as a child, but decided to work that shit out with his younger brother. Right. But 
that one time James, because he had trusted John so much and John was still in his magical fairy land of awesome, could do no wrong. James is like, hey man, can I tell you about this thing that really bothered me that my brother did? Yeah. And James, or, and John supported James through it, told him, hey man, it's okay. I'm going to help you. But he never forgot. Right. So after he kills James's friend, Gavin, he's like, all right, now it's time for Troy. So man, the amount, the, the wait time this man could go through to get what he wanted also speaks something. Oh yeah. Because I have the patience of a gnat. <laughs> if I know that I'm going to get something, I want it yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Instant gratification. Right, right. And John also didn't like Troy. Take take Troy abusing his younger brother completely out of the equation. Troy was also much older mm-hmm. and still living at home. And he was also a druggie. So just a complete piece of shit right. in John's mind. Completely useless. Waste of oxygen. Trees work really hard. He should have apologize to him (laughs) so they wait until one day when john tells elizabeth and the kids go on out go go to adelaide go shopping sure go have fun and when she returned she found no troy and james is telling investigators we had to tell mom that troy and all of us got into a fight and he left Mm -hmm. but really we hid his body in a garbage bag in the garage the same place gavin was until the next day when john and i went to a scrapyard at paramount browns and then we purchased a black barrel for like like 25 bucks. Uh-huh. And the one shitty thing is that this barrel was shorter than the other ones. So we had to cut off my brother's foot to fit them all in there. Uh-huh. So if you remember the one barrel, there was one barrel in there. I can't remember which number or which letter it was. Right. But it was one male with a foot disarticulated, just the foot. Right. And that was Troy's That's body. Troy. So we're kind <clears throat> of figuring out who's in what barrel. Mm-hmm. And the whole time that all of this was happening, whether it was during the murder, which we'll get into, or if it was afterwards this going and getting the barrel and doing all this john is doing that thing where he keeps asking james do you like what's going on right we all know that he doesn't but he's forcing james to say yes it's a power play yeah i hate it (laughs) um and james of course says yes i mean this guy spun out on all the drugs right terrified and will just say anything to make this guy shut up Mm -hmm. because he figured if i step out of line at in any way shape or form i'm gonna be in a barrel right so i mean because that's that's the unspoken agreement that they have which i get i understand but in the same breath what a moral struggle that would be oh yeah to kill or to help kill to keep yourself out of it could i kill my own sibling no no couldn't do it right but i also didn't have that same circumstance that they did right so I, I don't know it's so hard mm-hmm. you can sit and you can judge and you can speculate all day long but until you actually been in that shoe we don't know. Yeah. In order to under uh, to understand how the next murders were chosen, we have to talk about Mark Hayden and John Bunting becoming close again. Mm-hmm. John, Elizabeth, and her kids were moving down the street from Mark and his wife Elizabeth and her two kids, her sister Gail and Gail's son Fred. That's a that's a lot of people. That's a lot of folks mm-hmm. living next to each other. John and Mark became fast friends, and Robert and John visited Mark all the time. They became the three of 
amigos, and John also started to sleep with Gail. Elizabeth's sister. Huh. Huh. He Weird. just can't keep that dick in his pants. Weird. Hmm. Okay. Well, after all three men became close, John asked if they could store some barrels that, uh, well, held Barry Lane, Michael Gardner, Gavin Porter, and Troy Ude. Uh, asked if they can store those in Mark's garage, and Mark's like, well, sure. Why not, man? Gross. Yeah. Four rotting corpses. Liquefying. Liquefying. In the middle of summer. Hey, man, can we stink up your garage instead of mine? Yeah. <laughs> John doesn't even have a sense of smell. Why didn't he just keep them? Mm, yeah. It doesn't, it, it, none of that makes sense to me. I just, whatever. Right. So James tells us how the next victim was Gail's son, Fred Brooks. And it happened around September 17th, 1998. So definitely the the murders are getting closer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that John, John got James and told him that there was a treat for him. That mm-hmm. treat was he got to watch the torture and murder of Fred. Right. He originally thought that, oh, he probably went and stole some stuff. Because during this whole time, it wasn't just murders that they that they were committing. Right. They were also doing lots of petty theft. Sure. On in, in any way, shape, or form. So James thought, ah, cool. John got some cool shit for me. Maybe he got me some Tim Tams. <laughs> maybe, maybe he got me those delicious Tim Tams. <laughs> Mm. I think original are my favorite so far. I kind of like the mint ones. The mint ones were good. I like the original ones too, though. Oh my God. I love having Australian friends who will send us Tim Tams <laughs> <laughs> and Redskins. Oh my, oh my God. God. What I will fuck a Klondike bar. What I will do for a Redskin <laughs> will astound you. <laughs> Sorry. True story. <laughs> So anyway, after they murder Fred, Mm -hmm. they wrap him up in some garbage bags and put him in the boot of an old car. Again, also known as the trunk. The trunk-a-dunk. Mm-hmm. Mark towed the old car and put Fred's body in the garage until they could get another barrel to put him in. Uh, From there, they created another elaborate scheme telling people how they had seen him around and not to worry about him and he's not missing. Right, their typical typical story. Now, the one thing that is also so weird if you are always a step ahead why didn't you buy the fucking barrel first right you knew you were gonna kill this guy right you knew you were gonna kill troy you knew you were gonna kill gavin yeah let him air out for a little bit i don't know i don't know you didn't think about picking up a 25 dollar barrel on your way home right dumbass 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 the you know part this this episode and the next episode you're gonna hear me swearing probably a lot more as i get more angry <laughs> fair enough <laughs> Um, so after Fred, it was only a few weeks before John. There's going to be some quotes in here that are rough. Just saying. Yeah. I think you should do it. You have more of that mean voice than I do. No, no, no. Go ahead. Okay. Um, it was only a few weeks before John had to kill again. He was definitely spiraling out of control. Typical with serial killers. Mm-hmm. And this guy was a neighbor of one of James's friends. Well, kind. I think we kind of go into it more later, but, uh, James's friend. Basically, if you remember, James had an old stepdad, Marcus Johnson. Yeah. Uh, so when he would go and visit Marcus and he would play on in the neighborhood mm-hmm. there, that's where this guy lived. Okay. So that's how he knew him. Okay. So as John and James were driving by, John sees this guy who is, he's never seen anymore. And his name was Gary O'Dwyer. Yep. Perfect. And John says, quote, look at that fag. Looks too much like Troy. Troy being James's older brother. That they had just killed a couple months ago uh-huh. and that was it john then told james you're gonna go befriend that guy uh because i want to kill him he looks too much like your brother i just i don't fucking like his face mm-hmm. basically 
And he also didn't like the fact that Gary was mentally disabled. So on the night of the murder, James was actually supposed to go to a party. He was actually on his way to a party. John and Robert pick him up and say, hey, uh, we're going to go kill this guy. And James is like, but dude, I got to go to this party. Mm -mm, I don't give a fuck about your party. Right. We're going to go kill this guy. Okay. So John, Robert, and James go to Gary's house to drink. Now, Gary being the fact that he was mentally disabled was very, very over trusting and was super excited to see James. Well, yeah, he had company. He had friends over. Yeah, and to meet new friends. Yeah. So, you know, Gary's drinking. Uh, James is drinking a lot. Yeah. But John and Robert stay sober. Mm-hmm. And Gary is showing Robert and everybody all of his stuff in his house. However, once the torture started, James starts freaking out and he's like, I need to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So he tells John and Robert, hey, you know that party? I gotta go. If I don't start going, people are gonna start coming to find me. Right. And so John and Robert were kind of like, ugh, fine. But John gave James that look of, you better not be playing me. Right. So with that, right before he leaves, James punched Gary as hard as he could, like at least five or six times into the chest. Mm-hmm. as kind of like a cement of like, fuck you type of thing. Right. And then he he left. So James tells investigators, I don't know how long the torture went on. I don't know what all was involved, but yeah. I know that, um, that they killed him. And the next day they told everybody that Gary moved and that he wouldn't be back. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of the end of that story for now. It's actually, yeah, I'm going to get ahead of myself if I keep talking. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> the second to last one James tells us about is that of Elizabeth Hayden, Mark's mm-hmm. wife. Uh, we know, now we know most about this one because this is where all were questioned. James just confirms that they killed her and put her in a barrel as well. Right. So he's just like, yeah, that whole story that you guys were told back when Mark came in. Yeah, it's all bullshit, man. They killed her too. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Well, James also tells how just a week before the police arrested everyone, you know, during the time that they're having the phones, you know, tapped and being being watched. Well, they committed another murder. Right. Yeah. 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 Right in the middle of all that investigation. Right in the middle when everybody's watching them. Uh Mm Uh-huh. David Johnson, James's ex-stepbrother, son to Marcus Johnson, who was James's, or yeah, who was with James's mom, Elizabeth Harvey. Right. So it's also pretty safe to say that david johnson also knew gary mm-hmm. 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 again it's the weirdest connections with all these cases right well after james was arrested it would take 10 months for police to tell him that uh oh hey you know how he told you we'd let you go <laughs> <laughs> just kidding mm-hmm. they did not grant his immunity despite his full confession that would help solve every mystery the flip side to that was they weren't able to use any of the details of the murder in court mm-hmm. and this is why they were left out yeah this is why we left out the information of the details of each of these murders just then right because uh, couldn't use it in trial so we're not going to tell you about it yet sure okay okay Mm -hmm. sneaksy gingy sneaksy (laughs) gingy but yeah the police had another trick up their sleeve more on that here in a moment right so they knew okay if we're not going to be able to use james pretty much as far as eyewitness or being able to fully confirm or deny any of these murders the only person that they would have is Elizabeth Harvey. Mm-hmm. And 
and at most she knew about Suzanne and there's that speculation of apparently she knew something about this Ray guy but okay. they haven't heard it from her so they can't use it right so they're kind of fucked for a minute okay however within within the weeks after the initial investigation confession by James whatever the task force had uncovered 12 murders we knew eight were in barrels in Snowtown there's two in the backyard at Waterloo there was one in Lower Light mm-hmm. and then that stage suicide of Thomas okay all right so it was quickly dubbed the Snowtown murder which attracted journalists from every major Australian newspaper TV and radio station and then from there it grew went to Japan Asia US UK I guess when I was reading uh just earlier Japan I think had actually come down to be like oh what's going on and when they found out that none of the victims were from Japan they were like man we don't fucking care and they just left all right so it got so involved with the media that they actually had to issue a statement saying uh warning to all media outlets that prosecutors for contempt of court will follow if the media published material which tended to prejudice of the prosecution or defense trial by media would not be tolerated under any circumstance all right so they start putting this is where they start putting on a ton of suppressions when it comes to information to this case sure which will be relevant uh towards the end okay all right another issue south australia was facing with the media is all these different bizarre murders mm-hmm. a 1980s author uh salomon rashid excuse me not <laughs> rashid rushdie mm-hmm. called it the little state of horrors because it was a perfect sleepy town which always made great horror books or movies oh yeah you think about any horror book or movie it's always those quiet little towns right and you're like you don't want to stop you just keep driving through mm-hmm. hills have eyes mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh there were of course or excuse me there of course was the 1972 murders of a homosexual university teacher dr george duncan mm-hmm. uh, who was murdered just because he was gay mm-hmm. strictly because he was gay mm-hmm. uh there was also the true row murders from 1976 to 70 or through 77 and that was the abduction and abduction rape and murder of seven young women and finally the or from 1979 to 1983 was the famous family murders five young men abducted drugged raped murdered now south australia also has snowtown right so they're quickly gaining a reputation for like this is where all the serial killers hang out guess where i don't want to go visit right sorry son <laughs> <laughs> just kidding actually but i want to go to snowtown i do too i want to go to adelaide i want to go everywhere down there oh yeah we will also cover the family murders and all those mm-hmm. those are just also going to be more involved requires a lot of research right i started to go down the rabbit hole yeah oh oh yeah I started to go down the rabbit hole of each of those once they were mentioned. And then I looked into it and I was like, whoa, that's way too much for right now. This is already big enough. (laughs) Right. Okay. So going into the trials. Yes. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Well, pretty much like everywhere, South Australia's justice moves pretty slow. Mm -hmm. Pretty slow. And with the 12 murders and multiple people involved, it would take even longer. Oh, yeah. In May, John Bunting, Robert Wagner, and Mark Hayden were charged with murder. And in June, James was charged with murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, the committal, or yeah, committal hearing wouldn't be until 19 months later. Wow, 19 months, right? Which is why 
why when I was saying earlier in the previous episodes, when it was like, you know, they went from going to look in Snowtown to see what they could find to uncovering all of the barrels within a short amount of time. Right. Then it went from they were able to find and arrest these men and charge them with murder. Mm -hmm. Very short window of time. Right. Now they're all charged. And now it's like, oh, now we got to get to the hearing. Yeah, we can wait 19 months. Right. Hey, did you hear down at the quickie stop they got a brand new fresh batch of Redskins and Tim Tams? Fuck yeah, let's go. Break time. <laughs> Fuck these guys. They can wait. <laughs> right. And I mean, I, I don't. I get it. I don't blame them. Right. I get it. Mm-hmm. So the committal hearing was just to test the evidence against the accused. Yeah, that's that's all that this was. And mm-hmm. that took 19 months. Uh-huh. Okay. The magistrates decided enough evidence, or well, the magistrates would decide if the evidence was strong enough to stand on trial. December 11th, 2000. They decided they had enough to charge John, Robert, and Mark for 10 of the 12 murders and James for 5 of the 12. Mm -hmm. The committal would last 8 months. Right. That's how much shit they had to go over. Right. A committal hearing. I know, I know fuck all of nothing when it comes to smart (laughs) trial stuff. Sure. But usually a committal hearing doesn't take that long. Yeah. Usually. I don't know. But this is very complex. You have four murders, four people, multiple people. You have four murders, four people. You have 12 12 murders, murders, four people. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Numbers. Right. (laughs) Well, in the eight months for the this committal tr- or committal hearing going on they ended up with 68 eyewitnesses called and they had 1458 statements made right that's, that's a lot that's a lot of talking mm-hmm. however while they were moving forward like in everything there's going to be some setbacks sure so as they're uncovering all the evidence they're looking and they're seeing that mark had little to go off of as mm-hmm. far as linking him to all of these murders sure because uh, he wasn't there for a lot of the actual murders his involvement was more kind of like on the sidelines he knew what was going on sure you can store your bodies here i don't care but that was it so his legal team planned to attack the prosecution case and they actually launched to have several things dismissed and they also wanted him to be tried separately from everybody else okay and uh for anything remaining that might stick another huge setback for prosecution is that they're star witness that they had set up died during this whole committal before ever being able to give forth any evidence Okay. before this person was ever able to come forth with their full story. Sure. This person helped steal money with John Mm -hmm. from victim's bank account. Uh, This person was also granted immunity for their statements. Uh Uh-huh. However, on February 5th, 2001, Elizabeth Harvey, John's partner, de facto, what Whatever. Uh, mother to accused James, mother to murdered son Troy, and ex-stepmom to murdered son David Johnson died of cancer. Okay. And if you remember in the very, very beginning, when she was first questioned by police, she said that she was diagnosed with cancer and John was helping her out. Mm-hmm. After James was denied his immunity and they couldn't use anything from James, they turned towards Elizabeth. And she was supposed to be the one that was going 
to help this whole thing. Okay. And then she lost her battle with cancer and died right before anything could happen. All right. So for prosecution, that's shitty. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, when one door closes, another one opens. And on June 19th, 2001, inside South Australia's Supreme Court, a hammer dropped that defense and media wasn't prepared for. James Valkus stood by his lawyer, Rosemary Davey, as they read read each count of murder and he pleads guilty, Mm -hmm. receiving four life sentences. However, what no one knew was James has made a deal with prosecution. If James stood trial against the others, ensuring that they wouldn't get away with murder, James could have a taste of freedom with being paroled after a certain length of time. Mm -hmm. In South Australia, murder is a mandatory life sentence, but there is mm, loopholes. Yeah. So they set up this way for a no parole period, but since he was doing this deal and worked out this plea thing, it could come down the line. Mm -hmm. Defense and prosecution can make submissions as to that date, and in the case of James Valkus, his attorney talked heavily about his life and the lack of opportunity, Mm -hmm. the conditioning, the grooming, Mm -hmm. all the stuff that he was subject to, and that when John had told him about the murders, he wasn't sure if John was being honest or not, that he feared John, his mom, all you know, using all these drugs, it was just too much to deal with. Right, so he can't really be held fully accountable for everything that happened. Right. Given the circumstances. I mean, he was 14 when John showed up. Right. He was 19 when he was arrested. Mm-hmm. He was just a kid. Right, right. Uh, there was also this whole other thing that they kind of fucked up on. Yeah. <laughs> they they did tell him that they would grant him immunity, and then, just kidding, they told him they weren't going to give him immunity, and so that played plays a deal in this and oh yeah well especially since they promised him immunity in june of 99 Mm -hmm. he goes and he explains everything right they arrest him for murder book him put him in jail and don't tell him until april of 2000 right that oh hey just kidding you're never getting out of here yeah so his (laughs) lawyer was like we all know this is bullshit right right in september yeah september of 2000 excuse me Mm -hmm. he submitted another long interview going over the details of the murders again. This time, they could use this information that was given. After some deliberation, they decided to grant James a fixed-on-parole period of 26 years, uh, starting June 2nd, 1999. When he was very first arrested. Yep. Mm -hmm. So after 26 years, he could be up for parole. This wouldn't put him up for parole until June 2nd, 2025. He was also moved to another prison and given a new identity since he would be testifying against the other. Right. So since he's going to flip and be a snitch, Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, shit. Okay. Well, we got to move you so we can keep you safe. Right. So you don't get murdered in the meantime. Yeah. And then later in relation to him and his new identity and parole and stuff, we'll get into that at the the very end of Snowtown. There is some, what, speculations, rumors. Possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. So just keep that tinking around in your little head for a little while. Mm Mm-hmm. So on August 13th. 2001, Mark, John, and Robert stood and officially pled not guilty to all of the murders except Thomas and Clinton, but by February of 2002, the men were charged with all 12 murders, making Australian history for the most murder charges made. Damn. Yeah. All right. So, during the pretrial in March 2000, it was found out that Mark wasn't present.
present for most of the murders. Uh, He knew and he helped conceal, but Judge Brian Martin ruled that there wasn't enough evidence to stand trial on nine out of the 12 murder charges he was facing, leaving just the murder of Elizabeth Hayden, Troy Ude, and Clinton Trezzy. Later, Clinton ended up being dropped as well. Right. Which... How could he be held for Clinton Trezzy if Clinton Trezzy was the very, very first one? Right. I don't know unless there was some sort of information that was never released. Sure. That Because there were so many suppression orders on all of this that a lot of them didn't even ever get released. Okay. So I don't, I don't know for sure. If anybody in this area that may know anything about it or may know anything about that specifically, right. let us know. Oh, yeah. Because I'm curious. At the fat pod at gmail.com, yeah? Yes. Yeah. 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 Or any of our social media. Right. All at the fat pod. No matter <laughs> what you search, that's how you find us. Right. All right. Okay. So. Mark Hayden's defense attorney, Marie Shaw, also uh, won right to have to have him stand trial separately and charged with only Troy and his wife. Prosecution also wanted him to have charges for assistance with six of the other murders. Marie Shaw was even bold enough to try to get him out on bail before his trial. Thankfully, mm-hmm. that was refused. Right. He's been in jail for the past 19 plus months. Mm-hmm. Almost two years. And this bitch trying to get him out on bail now? <laughs> no. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Soon the biggest serial killer case in Australia would get ready to start. Both Robert and John claimed innocence and refused to cooperate. However, on September 27th, 2002, just two weeks before the trial, Robert pled guilty to the murder of Barry Lane, Fred Brooks, and David Johnson, but still pled not guilty to the others. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. The nickname what? Papa Smurf. You would think. Yeah. You would think. Yeah. And why only only those ones? It's not going to get him out of anything. Mm-hmm. In South Australia, if you're convicted of murder, it's a mandatory life sentence. Right. So Doesn't matter cares? if it's one or 12. Yeah. Whatever. And the whole time throughout the arrests and the committal and even into the trials and stuff that we'll find the whole time, Mark and John, oh, well, not Mark, but Robert and John act like none of it's bothering them. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. They're like, have your stupid trial. Do what you need to do, man. I don't care. Yeah. You're not going to get me. I'm not saying anything. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. It's just, which would just up that infuriating feeling <laughs> so much more. Yes. So four years after the arrests, mm-hmm. the trial for John and Robert start. Okay. <laughs> October 16th, 2002. They had to spend over $3 million for the courtroom just to hold all of the people involved and all of the evidence. Wow. Yeah. They also had extra jurors. They okay. had 15 instead of the normal 12. 12. Mm-hmm. And the trial was originally supposed to start on October 15th, but one of the jurors stopped in the middle of the day and was like, I can't do this. Right. Let me go. Yep. And they had to allow that person to be released. Mm-hmm. So for the first few days, the prosecutor, Wendy Abraham, held everyone captive as she goes over this storyline and tells the real story. Okay. So we got to go back how we keep going in every single episode. We got to go back to Clinton. Yep. yep. So he was murdered in August of 1992 and Clinton was a shy and semi isolated dude. You know, mm-hmm. he had brown hair, freckles, crooked teeth and quote unquote happy pants. Happy pants. Bright, colorful pants or MC Hammer pants. Because he was too legit. Too legit to quit. He was. 
<laughs> so a little bit about him. When he was three years old, his parents, Marilyn and Doug, actually got a divorce. Clinton and his younger brother, Scott, were placed in foster care while their sister, Sherry, stayed with their mom. Uh, so he barely knew his own family. And as a teen, he met a guy named Stephen at a re-entry school and they ended up becoming roommates, really good friends. Mm-hmm. Lines crossed. Clinton took it a little step further when he made sexual passes at Stephen and it caused Stephen to move out. By this point, Clinton was um, open about his sexuality. Right. So it was after Stephen moving out that Clinton met Barry and Robert. Hmm. 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 By this point, however, Robert was already starting to grow away from Barry a little bit okay. and becoming more and more vocal about his hate of homosexuals and pedophiles as per teachings of John Bunting. Right. Because they were only around each other for a year, I okay. think, by that point. Because Clinton was murdered in 92 mm-hmm. and John and his wife moved in next to Barry and Robert in 91. Okay. So Robert and John's friendship or whatever relationship they had was still relatively new, but they sure. were already starting. John was already starting to get Robert away from Barry. Right. So with Robert trying to leave the nest, it was time for Barry to find a new quote unquote pet. Mm-hmm. This is where he decided Clinton would be a great addition. Okay. So the reason why John didn't save Clinton versus saving Robert is because Clinton was open about his sexuality. So one day he invites Clinton over to his house at 203 Waterloo Corner Road and out of nowhere, John bashed Clinton with a hammer to the back of his head. So Clinton fell face down, still very much alive, stunned, freaking out as to what's happening Right. and trying to do what anybody does in that moment. You try to cover your head with your hands. And this, of course, is also John's first kill. So it's going to be crazy. It's going to be sloppy. It's going to be high emotions. Right. right? Oh, yeah. So each blow John made came down harder than the one previous. Mm-hmm. They were coming down so hard that the impact of the of the hits from the back of the head shattered the front of his skull, yeah. of Clinton's skull. And it also completely obliterated Clinton's left hand that he used to try to fight for his life. Mm-hmm. So just right off the bat, you're starting to just kill this kid just because he's gay. Mm-hmm. Strictly you're, because he's gay. You're not off to a good start. Right. Because the whole time you're trying to claim that, you know, you're help ridding the streets of pedophiles and yeah. whatever sort of preach that you're doing from mm-hmm. your stupid pedestal. Right. So we know, thanks to James, that he was then wrapped up mm-hmm. and Barry Lane, Robert Wagner, and John Bunting went and disposed of his body in the paddock in lower light. And thanks to lack of family communication, all of that, Clinton was dead for two years mm-hmm. before his family finally reported him missing. Yeah. Just, ow. Yeah. Ow. That's sad to think about. It is. You know, you finally get around to, oh, where's my kid. It's been gone for two years. Yeah, we'll report him missing. Oh, he had already been dead? Like, damn. Right. That'd be hard. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there was a mix-up when the professional compared the bones found in lower light to Clinton's remains and or information that they got when he was finally reported missing. Yeah. And they determined it wasn't a match. Mm-hmm. When, in fact, it was. So, it just sucks. Right. He did nothing to deserve his death, except for just being open mm-hmm. about being a homosexual, and he 
cross paths with the wrong people. Yeah. Anyone that met John or Robert and didn't go exactly how they wanted to usually ended up dead. Yeah. So Ray Davies, born James Lizzie. Leslie. Is it? That doesn't say Leslie. Oh, it sure doesn't. You were right. I try to add letters. <laughs> so James Lizzie Davies might be Leslie. One knows. Not this one, but one knows. <laughs> uh, to He was born to mentally disabled parents. Ray was slow but cunning and spent most of his time being raised by his aunt in South, South Australia. Growing up, he was teased and his aunt made a discovery when he was around 14, 15 years old. She found him having sex with a dog in the backyard. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So by age 20, he had a few convictions for stealing, assault, an indecent exposure, indecent behavior, uh, sex with another dog. And in 1998, or excuse me, 1989, he was moving around from place to place. Mm-hmm. Somehow during his adventures, he settled in with Robert Wagner and Barry Lane. Barry and Robert would visit gay areas and hook up with other men, but often ended up sleeping together. Mm-hmm. One day, Barry decided to introduce Ray to Suzanne Allen. I've always wondered, hmm. how did Robert really feel during that time? Right. Because even during that time when they were together, Barry wasn't exclusive mm-hmm. with Robert. Mm-hmm. And Robert was younger, so he couldn't go and frequent some of these areas. Right. So it almost makes me wonder if a lot of his hate more stems from jealousy. Sure. Because there is that very real possibility he had some Stockholm. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I'm not an expert. These are just weird connections my little pea brain is trying to fire off to try to make sense of everything. <laughs> right. So, anyways, continue. Okay. A relationship between Ray and Suzanne blossomed very quickly, moving in together and getting engaged. However, even though Ray loved Susan, he was still very much a homosexual and would still have sex with Barry and other men. In 1993, Ray and Susan... Is it Susan or Suzanne? Suzanne. Suzanne, excuse me. Ray and Suzanne ended up splitting, but she allowed him to live in the backyard in a, in a camper, camp trailer, yeah, caravan, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. We know about Suzanne losing her mind and kicking him out for good after Christmas in 1995 and telling her boyfriend, mm-hmm. John Bunting, and his best friend, Robert Wagner, about the incident. Being these, uh, being the great men that they were, they took care of it and he was never seen again. Yeah, and these are the kind of, that's kind of almost how Wendy Abraham was talking when she's talking to the jury and everybody else. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, she told these great men over here yeah. about this incident that happened of two children being molested and instead of, you know, reporting it, yeah. these men took time out of their day and they just took care of it for him mm-hmm. 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 well the truth is robert and john handcuffed ray and forced him into the boot of a car also known as a trunk mm-hmm. <laughs> and proceeded to drive two hours away to uh barcara i think i believe if mm-hmm. we're gonna say it how it is spelled that is how you say it <laughs> okay. mm, sorry to our aussie friends <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh to a home that john and his girlfriend elizabeth harvey and her four boys were renting at the time <clears throat> the wife and kids were visiting family in Adelaide for Christmas and New Year's so the house was empty. Robert and John were free to do as they pleased. Mm-hmm. They grabbed Ray and forced him into the home and into the bathroom. Their favorite place for murder as you will soon find out. Ray was forced to call Robert God and John Lord Sir. 
Right. So on top of everything else, they're also completely psychopaths and like to have a weird little ritual thing. Mm -hmm. And they beat him for hours, hitting him with a metal pole in the groin and in the legs until his testicles turned purple and got severely swollen. Mm -hmm. Pain didn't end there. Oh, no. Mm -mm. Once they felt okay, they loaded him back up alive and headed back to 203 Waterloo where Elizabeth and the kids were. Mm -hmm. Okay. When Robert and John came home, John told her that they had a surprise for her. They drug out a severely beaten Ray Davies and marched him straight into the bathroom. Screaming at him and calling him names like faggot and baby rapist, John lost his cool and pulled him out of the bathroom and took him into the room that hosted the Wall of Spiders, pointing out that his name was on the wall and he never had a chance. Right, and as you can imagine, this was only his second murder. Mm -hmm. And in the throes of just being so mad, because you know that he is working out years of his own personal bullshit right on this person right and he finally in the middle of screaming at him and beating him and torturing him and if he said anything in relation to them not calling them by god or lord sir mm-hmm. they gotta be even more plus you also have to remember oh well we'll get into that never mind you don't have to remember you're gonna find out <laughs> but he just snaps right and it's like fuck this dragging you in i want you to know that your days have been numbered for a long time right you never had a chance mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So he shows him the wall of spiders, tells him he doesn't have a chance, and it was at that moment that John calls his wife Elizabeth in, and she actually helps Robert also known as Papa Smurf, mm-hmm. wrap jumper leads around his neck and twist it until he died. Mm-hmm. All the while, John's looking into his eyes. When it was over, he smiled and asked Elizabeth if she liked her gift. No one, not even Elizabeth, knew why she would help end the life of another human. Possible fear of John? Maybe. Maybe taking out revenge for her own childhood trauma? Possibly. Or trauma that had happened to her kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. If she believed what John and Robert had said, that he was a pedophile, then this all could be possible. It could be. It could be a combination of everything, honestly. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I try to put myself in her position. Right. And if I came from her childhood, plus her, everything that happened to her kids, plus just her crippling depression and everything that way, Mm -hmm. not being able to, to cope with things, and then you add in an abusive person that you're with right who you are equally afraid of but they're bringing you a gift and this guy is just a pedophile or so he says i mean could you do that too Hmm. if i sit myself down and if i'm truly honest i probably could yeah which is terrifying to think about but right you know you could understand how someone like her could help participate in something like that doesn't make it right you can just see how that happens sure sure Mm -hmm. so he's now officially dead and they take his body out to the hole in the backyard, the one that John had spent so much time making, even equipped it with lights and a ladder. Mm-hmm. John laughed, saying that he was still holding his balls when he fell. Yeah. John Bunting had a history of wanting an underground room. The first time... Uh, He was told to fill it in, and this time it decided to be a grave for his victims. Right. He never, as far as we know, he never dug any other rooms. He tried Mm. to dig an underground room when he was a kid. Right. And he was doing one before this murder, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, this will be a good spot. Sure. So, again, in my little peanut brain is, was that always the goal of the underground room? I don't know. Maybe. Right. Why why wouldn't you just go put him out in, like, lower light, too, or Mm -hmm. somewhere? 
somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Why put them in your hole of your fancy room that you've put lights and shit in? Right. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. So after his death, we know that the relationship in Suzanne or the relationship between Suzanne and John ended. Okay. As I was going through, I was thinking maybe did he also decide to end it with Suzanne because he just had his girlfriend, wife, whatever, Elizabeth, just help him right. kill someone. Right. And she liked it. And she didn't squawk. She didn't cover her eyes. She didn't try to leave. Mm-hmm. She helped hold the leads and help kill somebody. Right. So maybe like, who's this bitch? Who's who's this Suzanne chick I've been sleeping with? Right. You know, she knew this guy. She knew he was a pedophile. She knew he was gay. She knew that they're the same thing, quote unquote, in his head. Right. And she still loved him. She still let him live out back behind her. Like, fuck her. Right. You know, that's how I can see how he started justifying Mm -hmm. this one. Right. And she also, she knew too much. So really, she serves no purpose anymore. Mm -hmm. She was a place for him to stick it. That sounds horrible, but that's probably exactly how he felt. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So we know that Suzanne's brother, John, noticed her missing in November of 1996, almost a year after Ray was murdered. Her home was ransacked. She had starving pets that ended up having to be put into RSPCA. (laughs) I always think of stupid sad commercials uh we also know that not long after she was reported missing her car also went missing mm-hmm. however when police looked into the car they found that a woman elizabeth harvey supposedly purchased the car from her right is also to be believed that suzanne was strangled in the bathroom but to make sure and not mess up because they've now killed twice right they want to make sure that it's they're trying to switch up their whatever mm-hmm. they created a story of her dying from natural causes we found this out because of the story of the eyewitness from James. Right. And what he has told everybody. However, even if she died from natural causes, as these men are so desperately trying to claim, while dismembering her body for whatever reason, why they felt they needed to dismember her Mm -hmm. as well, also doesn't make sense. You didn't dismember either of your other two, so that's a new change. Right. Uh, Apparently, Robert actually took the head of Suzanne Allen and was using it as a puppet and telling John to kiss it. So these were the games... That they played. This is what they called fun. They cut her up into many pieces. They shoved her in garbage bags and tossed her in the same hole they tossed Ray into. And then they poured cement to cover over the top. From there, we know that they covered up this murder, saying that she moved, was in a family feud, Mm -hmm. and had Elizabeth act as Suzanne to obtain her information to steal her money. So by this point, everybody knew. Elizabeth knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. She knew the second he said, hey, go figure this out. Yeah. She knew. Oh, yeah. She knew from Ray. So it's not a... Everybody knew but nobody said anything Mm -hmm. you know and it's just so weird with the whole you're gonna cut somebody up you're gonna make it be like a puppet and these were the things that john told james so earlier when we were talking about the investigation part james gave all the police this information all of Mm. these details within each murder they just couldn't use it right so i can understand why they had to be all sneaksy sneaksy to try to find a way around it to get it because this is critical oh absolutely so the next victim was Michael Gardner and if you remember before he was the gay friend of Robert or Robert's fiance Sally Brown. Michael was a troubled kid. His father died when he was young and his mother had remarried. He was not close to his new stepfather at all. When he was 14 he was put up for foster care uh, after being sexually abused by someone close to him. Simple guess uh, probably somebody in the home? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Possibly someone in the home and mm, not 
a family friend or a distant relative. That's that would be my guess. If they're going to put a 14 year old into foster care by that point, either his mother didn't want him around anymore Mm -hmm. or possibly. I mean, it could have been that stepfather he's not so close to. Right. Who knows? Right. All right. Well, we know that he didn't want to go to foster care at 14, so he spent a lot of time at his sister's house or at friends' houses. Mm-hmm. We know that Robert snapped and uh, snapped that one day that Michael was innocently playing with Sally's kids and made the fatal mistake of being gay and covering up a child's mouth. This is the only reason for mm-hmm. his death. The only one. Is, well, only reason is mm-hmm. because he's gay and they're playing hide-and-seek and he was trying to help a kid stay quiet. He triggered Robert. Uh-huh. Cool. And this one's really sad. Uh-huh. I did not like this one at all. Yeah. So they waited for Sally's cousin, uh, Nicole, to go out of town for 10 days. And he, Michael, was supposed to watch the house. Michael was actually taken from Nicole's home to John's home, which is now in Murray Bridge. They made him call them, or made him call them Lord, Sir, and God. And they tortured him for hours, burning cigarettes on him, anything else they could get to mutilate his arms and his testicles. Uh, they used electric shock on him countless beatings and he was barely alive he also made him listen to that shitty album throwing copper from live (laughs) right (laughs) you know what's funny is i know every song every word to every song in that album i'm sorry my mother loved them Mm -hmm. i've spent much of my childhood probably around this same time period actually Mm. listening Mm. Uh which is crazy to think about but yeah they they tortured him forever oh yeah well then they go out to the garage and they throw a noose around a beam and strap michael up however they didn't just end it there that wouldn't be fun Mm -mm. instead they made him stand there and he got to choose his death robert wagner and john bunting sat laughing and calling michael names as they watched this guy struggle to stay alive this Mm -hmm. went on for hours until finally due to the severe beatings extreme pain and exhaustion michael gardner dropped down and died by the noose Mm -hmm. his last visions were those of the men laughing at him and calling him faggot and pedophile michael did nothing to deserve this death his only crimes was that he was openly homosexual and knowing robert wagner and john bunting two men that struggled with their own sexuality and injustice hand it to them yeah Mm -hmm. i don't i'm trying to put myself in that situation where you're seeing this kid beaten bloody you know full of cigar or cigarette burns Mm -hmm. who knows what else you know that during the torture he's also they're insisting that they give or that he gives them information right so during the torture that's where michael had to leave the recording that was left on the machine for Mm -hmm. nicole that's when he had to record other sayings to his family saying fuck off i don't want anything to do with you guys right blah 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 blah. all in the middle of being tortured and if he didn't say a line right just like all the victims if they didn't say a line right you could hear the pain Mm -hmm. in their voice or any sort of waiver they would then be beaten tortured and then forced to do it again right so it it, and then and then you're gonna sit down tie some dude to a noose pop popcorn sit and laugh point fingers call him a silly faggot and a pedophile and a baby rapist and he was none of those things right and then you watch him finally his 
body literally give out from underneath him because he can't stand anymore. Mm -hmm. And then you watch him die. Fuck you guys. Right. Oh, it hurts my it hurts my feelings because when you first look into this case and even I've talked to a couple of people that had no relation when I was kind of trying to figure out information. There was this one guy particular that's like, hey, I'm from this area. Blah, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, those guys were fucked. But I mean, they did they did take out a lot of pedophiles and stuff like that. So I can't be too mad. But they don't know this case like how we're knowing it. Right. They didn't take out pedophiles. Right. They took out one that they know of. Maybe two. Mm -hmm. Count Ray. Mm -hmm. That's it. You know, it's just no. (laughs) Right. So Barry Lane was now so far detached from Robert Wagner that he now was the next target. Yeah. And there's no denying Barry was a monster of his own right. Mm-hmm. So when he had Thomas in his grasp, they... Thomas Trevelin. Yes, thank you. Thomas Trevelin. Uh, John and Robert were like, he no longer, Barry no longer serves a purpose. Right. It's time for him to go. We don't want to have to keep killing all these people that he's trying to be with. Mm-hmm. So let's just get rid of the monster. But by now, as we know, they really start liking being able to take their identity, to be able to take their money. Mm-hmm. So that's when we need to pry more and more and more information, kind of like how I just said. Uh, they also felt for Thomas. Yeah. He's another he's another lost boy when they first met him. Mm-hmm. Let's save him. Uh, Ernest Trust, help him to get with mur- or help him to murder Barry. Right. And we know that Barry was murdered on October 17th, 1997, when yeah. Thomas, Robert, and John ambushed Barry at his home and they handcuffed him. They forced him to call John, Lord Sir, and Robert God. Mm-hmm. And the men forced Barry to give them Barry's key card, his social security, anything else that they needed to steal all of his money. Right. They also made him call his mother Sylvia during the tortures saying, I'm leaving town. I'm hitchhiking to Queensland. Want nothing to do with this family. Don't talk to me. Which came as a complete shock for the mother. Right. Uh, Barry would be forced to make another phone call to his ex-fiance Joanna at around 10 or 11 p.m. saying that Thomas and himself broke down in Claire and would be a few days before they would return. So she could be so kind as to check on the pets and the mail for them. Mm-hmm. So being Joe, being Joanna, that would be crazy to think about while you were on the phone with this person, they were being tortured mm-hmm. and almost, and they died shortly after. Right. So uh, they also made Barry record a whole bunch of other things, different sentences, names, dates, whatever. Mm-hmm. After he did was he, as he was told, Lord Sir and put, and God put a rolled bandage into his mouth and wrapped yellow duct tape around his head and also looped under his chin so he couldn't open his mouth at all. Mm-hmm. Then the men <sighs> took out pliers and one by one crushed Barry Lane's toes. <gasps> yeah. Once Barry Lane was starting to fade in and out just due to all the pain from all the torture, Robert, true to his nickname of Papa Smurf, strangled Barry Lane to death. Mm-hmm. Which I had put in here could only be such a slew of emotions for Robert. Right. He spent more of his life pretty much with him right. than without. And the men weren't done there. Part of the recordings that they forced Barry to say would go to his sister, Crystal. Mm-hmm. After a couple of days and Crystal picked up the phone and she knew it was her brother but he sounded really weird. Mm-hmm. And she would later say that it sounded kind of like a recording but the phone had also hung up before she had a chance to say anything back to her brother. She said that uh, in the record... 
During the conversation, later finding out it was a recording, Barry had said that he was coming up to see her, but don't tell mom. Mm -hmm. And Barry's sister, Crystal, also lived in Queensland, so the stories added up with Barry's mom later. Because, of course, I mean, he's only going to be missing for so long before the family members start talking. Right. Uh, So these men were good. And when police try to look into Barry, that's when they saw, oh, he's still taking out payments. You know, the mom is saying that he doesn't want anything to do with them. The sister said that he was hitchhiking. Maybe he just decided to disappear. We mm-hmm. we don't really care. I'm sure also looking into who Barry was as a person, they're probably like, meh. Right. You know, I mean, uh, nothing really to worry about. Sure. So after this murder, Thomas started acting weird. Mm-hmm. Thomas Trevlin was a troubled kid. From 13 on, he was raised by his maternal grandparents. Once he left home, he would talk on the phone once a week to his grandparents, and they would visit at least mm, two times a month. Right. Thomas had anger issues and was a schizophrenic, as we know. In late 97, they actually met Barry Lane while visiting Thomas. And the very next visit they would make, Thomas is no longer at the address given. Yeah, which the address... The, wow, that came out really weird. The address would have been on that same corner road. Mm-hmm, the Waterloo Corner Road? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, three weeks of silence happened until Thomas called to say that he had moved into Barry's rented home on the northeast suburb of Hectorville. Mm -hmm. This is when Thomas actually moved into the house with Robert, Sally, and their kids. Right. So after the murder, Robert's like, we still got you. You Mm -hmm. know, we'll still take care of you. Right. You know, we'll have another, another mini Robert. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The three weeks of silence were probably after the time of the murder of Barry Lane. However, Sally didn't like having Thomas in the house. She would hear about them or hear them talking about hurting Barry and Barry hurting Thomas and and how he had hurt Robert and... Really uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. Nobody likes to have those conversations. Right. So it was in this time that Thomas calls his cousin with a crazy confession and stopped taking his medication. He was spiraling. Mm-hmm. He would grab a knife and run outside over the slightest of sounds. Yeah. Very and minimal. You hear a door knock or, you know, a table bump and... Right. He was out to go and murder. Right. So he's becoming very, very dangerous. And then on November 4th of... 97 he took it a little bit too far Mm -hmm. Uh, in a craze Thomas chased Sally's daughter around while she was holding a puppy armed with a knife he threatened to kill the puppy and slit its throat Sally had had enough and told Robert that he had to go so Robert took him for a drive and well he was never seen again Mm -hmm. it was the very next day that by chance a truck driver glanced over in the town of Kersbrook Mm -hmm. and saw Thomas hanging from a tree police noticed that he had six dollars and ninety cents still in his pocket and a red milk carton at his feet and once they found his identity they called his last known place of living with robert wagner on the phone with robert robert paints a picture and says you know this dude lost Crazy. his marbles quit taking his meds threatened to kill a dog right we have young kids because mm-hmm. they did they had a bunch of young kids yeah. there and so we were trying to help him out but he kept getting further and further and further out of control so we kicked him out so on november 4th he threatened to kill himself in the back yard well the police took that story hook line and sinker and labeled it as a suicide Mm -hmm. however the reality of it is is that 
they planned to leave the money in his pockets because John knew that if there wasn't money involved, it would probably look suspicious. Mm-hmm. So... Because I bet, I can bet, he may have looked a little beat up. Yeah. Maybe not a ton, yeah. but, a, but a little bit. Uh-huh. So, by now, this pattern is becoming clear. Mm-hmm. Draw people in, select who you want, kill them. Mm-hmm. Really no, no sort of moral standing or whatever. Right. Because so, if, when you first hear, if you think, oh, they're killing pedophiles, they almost kind of get like a boondock saints type of feel. Sure. Well, and that's what I was going to say is, is a lot of people in that area still, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, you know, they're just killing pedos. Mm-hmm. Well, what we're getting ready to tell you. Well, as you know already. Yeah. No, they weren't. Yeah. It, it paints a slightly different picture. Mm-hmm. So the first murder was Clinton Trezzy in 1992. Mm-hmm. There was a cool down period until victim number two, Ray Davies, in 1995. Mm-hmm. Then Suzanne Allen in 1996. Yep. Then Michael Gardner in August or September of 1997. Yeah. Barry Lane, October 1997. Thomas, November 1997. Mm-hmm. By 1998, these men really start spiraling. Oh, yeah. And they're getting high off of the kill and they need it more and more and so they would name anybody as a dirty or pedo or rock spider they called them many different things and no one in this group questioned the validity sure john almost always chose the victim and robert was his right hand he was the muscle of the operation yeah and i'm thinking is that where we should leave off today yep yep i think i think so (laughs) that is six that's half of the murders Mm -hmm. in detail Mm -hmm. we still have six more to go Mm mm-hmm Plus everything else that happens after. I'm thinking that we might just have one more part. Maybe. 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 We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But we're going to end the story here. For today. For today. We'll start off next week and we're going to tell you about the murder of Gavin Porter and how James started in with all the killings. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be fun. Right. Well, it's going to be terrible, but it's going to be very interesting. Lots of questions answered. Right, 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 right. Um. So, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, real quick. Quick, uh, our promo today is from our friends over at the Les Mordia podcast. Hell yeah. They are awesome. Um, it's Lee, Derek, and Ginny. They cover murder, mayhem, mysteries, monsters. Three good friends. They giggle a lot. They say some fucking hilarious shit. <laughs> I love them dearly. They are great podcast friends as well. Yes. Um, I really liked episode 17, which was uh, called The Beast of Satan, and it covers a satanic cult from Italy. Uh-huh. So you'll want to go and listen to that we appreciate them as friends mm-hmm. um what else do we have to say don't forget just killingtime.org right right oh they had new pictures of one of their their other box that came out yeah the one that uh, didn't that we didn't grab yeah uh-huh. the one with the nipple belt keychain yeah <laughs> oh my gosh guys they made a ed Gein nipple belt keychain right amazing right. amazing and it was only those people that ordered that specific box yep so if you didn't order it you don't you, get it you can sit with me and our no nipple keychain having selfs <laughs> but you're gonna want to get on that because there are so many great things that are coming out oh i'm so excited right so excited so if you got a beard or you know somebody that does have a beard mm-hmm. have them check out badassbeardcare.com mm-hmm. or uh, if you just really like your hair right oh yeah it works great for hair as well i recommend the el barista if you are a woman then you smell delicious you smell like coffee right 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 with that if you guys do decide that you want to order some they mm-hmm. They have a new tracking deal mm-hmm. that they've recently.
recently launched. Mm-hmm. Put down Quinjerman mm. 246. 246? 246. I so, will write that down and put that in the show notes. Okay. And Quinjerman is Q-U-I-N-N-J-E-R-M-E-N. 246. 2468. Who do we appreciate? <laughs> Quinjerman. Right. And it's great big beard. Woo! Sorry. <laughs> But it's just a, it's a way to help keep track and, and find out who goes where and why and Maybe stuff they'll like have that. their own wall of spiders, but it will just be beards. <laughs> Get it. Get it. So speaking of that as well, mm-hmm. another place that has awesome products that's facial hair related mm-hmm. is Can You Handlebar? Mm-hmm. I am actually rocking a curled mustache today that I did yesterday and slept on it and it's still curled. It's, it's still perfect. You could go out in public just how you are. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> well, you can't because, you know, you have to shower. Right. But I'm saying if you had to. Oh, yeah. In a pinch, if I had to go out, yeah, I could in pull a it pinch. off. In a pinch. <laughs> oh. But, yeah, check out Can You Handlebar. I use their primary and their secondary wax. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, for all of your facial hair styling needs, it's it's the bee's knees. The bees. bees wax. Oh, snap. <laughs> uh, don't forget to come and hang out with us on all of our social media. Right. Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, all at the Fat Pod. Absolutely. Um, hang out with us over at the Fat Lounge. Yep. And we will have another What's Your Perspective thread yep. that will now go over Snowtown 1, 2, and 3. Yes. And 3. Come talk shit with us because apparently that's what I was in the mood for today. <laughs> Talking shit on Robert Wagner and John Bunting. By God. By goodness. Uh, if you hear if you hear things, the reason why we also needed to kind of cut this short is we have tiny humans that are requiring our assistance. Yeah. Yes, yes, because unfortunately I'm back on night shift, and so instead of recording at night, we try to record in the middle of the day when our two little ones are taking naps. So and, Yeah, if anybody has kids, you know how you have to align the stars perfectly. Right. We have one in school, the two others, we got to try to get them both down at a nap at the same time, but still be in the time when Quinn wakes up. Right. But before he has to go to work. Uh, Ooh, huh? the stars aligned. Right. Um, until next week week yeah how fun yep fap it out put put us in everybody's ears mm-hmm. if you want to rate and review us on itunes we would greatly appreciate it that Absolutely. helps get us shot everywhere thank you to everybody who have listened to us so far who have given us a chance mm-hmm. this podcast is taking off so much quicker than what we anticipated yes we're so excited about it and thank you for the ones that have contributed and your information on patreon yes thank Absolutely. you so much patreon people you guys are amazing we promise we will be getting out all of your wonderful gifts back yes 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 (laughs) yes yes. you guys are awesome and amazing we are nothing without you guys uh we're nothing without any of you guys honestly if not it'll just be two crazy married people talking in a computer room Uh all right all right see you next week guys see you guys bye hi i'm lucy mortem and my name is Ginny. And we invite you to join us every week on Les Mordia, where we discuss our favorite true crime topics. But not just true crime, any and all things dark and mysterious that pertain to the human psyche. Cults, conspiracy, weird pop culture. But hey, we're not professionals and we're often inappropriate. We really bank on you finding that charming, though. <laughs> so turn out the lights, lock the doors, and find us on your favorite podcast app. <laughs>